You're listening to the Forefront Church podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. In most wise people I know, their very authority and wisdom come from the struggle itself. That's Richard Rohr. The most beautiful people we have ever known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of those depths. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. If you suffer, thank God. It's a sure sign you're alive. Albert Hubbard. Suffering has been stronger than all other teaching, and it has taught me to understand what your heart used to be. I have been bent and broken, but I hope into a better shape. Charles Dickens. I dislike these authors very much, each of them, um, because <laughs> I don't want them to be right. I don't want them to be right. I want to live a life that's free of, free of the struggle. You know, I, I want to live a life where I don't have to deal with like crushing pain and loss. I want to live a life where I don't have to deal with sickness. I want to live a life uh, where I want to wake up and get out of bed in the morning and, and look forward to doing things, not feel like I don't know if I'm going to make it. You guys ever feel that way? I don't know if I'm going to make it, right? So, so when people tell me, when I read that suffering is the way of life, I think those people are the worst. They also happen to be very right. Let's just be honest. They're incredibly, they're incredibly correct. They tell the truth. And here's the thing. Here's what I want to tell us today. We have been taught a lie. Okay, we've been taught a lie. You want to know the lie that we've been taught? We've been taught that somewhere along our lives, somewhere on our path towards a meaningful life, that suffering, are, suffering is merely the interruption. That's what we've been taught. We've been taught that on our path towards meaningful lives, uh, our sufferings are, are just the interruptions, They're the stuff that gets thrown to the side. That's the lie that we have been taught. I'll go a step further. Uh, we've been taught by, uh, you know, uh, pastors, by youth pastors, by our parents, by caregivers, by Joel Osteen, and by everybody else, that if we are going to live a Christian life, if we're going to live a Christian life, a life in Jesus Christ, that, that on our path towards a meaningful life, our sufferings are merely the interruptions. We've been told that. You know, we just read from Matthew 16. Matthew 16, if you, if you go just a few chapters back to Matthew 7, Jesus actually says to everybody, he goes, hey, everybody, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive. It's really, really good news. It's the news of blessing. Paul talks a ton about blessing. He says that we are blessed the same way Abraham was favored and blessed. We are blessed because we have this love of Jesus Christ. We are told over and over that Jesus Christ loves us, wants a personal relationship with us. When we are young, my daughters, the other day, I said, what does Jesus want? Well, Jesus wants to be our buddy. That's what they said. Jesus wants to be our buddy. That sounds good. It sounds real good. I want Jesus to be my buddy too. But we're missing a really, really big chunk of life here. We're missing a really, really big chunk of Christianity because if we're looking at the ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, you know, blessings upon you, the love and the grace of Jesus Christ wants to be your buddy, we're missing out on a really big part of life because the truth of the matter is we start suffering and we start suffering right away. That's just the truth of it. We start suffering right away. You guys know Don Torrance? Don Torrance helped start this church a couple years ago. Uh, him and his wife, Maggie, are pretty amazing. They just gave birth to a little boy named Cole. Cole's about a month old. So I am writing this message, and Don texts me. This is what Don says, verbatim. Cole just peed on his own face. That's messed up. Poor little guy. 
<laughs> that is the text I received. It is messed up. And then Don sent me a couple other texts after. He's like, I feel so bad. Like, he's really, like, Cole's really upset by this. He doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. And, <laughs> and I was like, perfect, perfect. I'm, I'm writing a message on this. Suffering starts early, right? It's, it starts really early. You know, and I start thinking about, you know, you know the, this lie, this lie that suffering is merely an interruption. And I started thinking about this lie that says, like, if, if we're going to follow Christianity, that, that our, our life as Christ followers is more about wonderful love and grace and Jesus as our pal rather than the suffering. I, I started thinking about what we would tell Cole or what I would even tell my daughters. Like, you know, we would sit down young kids and we would say, kids, you were young and you used to pee on yourself. And that was bad. And now you're a little older and you're in kindergarten now and... And I can already see that sometimes you feel a little bit frustrated by numbers and letters. Well, that frustration is going to continue, right? And I already see that sometimes your friends do things to leave you out of, like, the jump rope and stuff like that. And guess what? Your friends are going to leave you out all the time. In fact, you're going to have friends who you think are the best of the best, and they are going to forsake you in different ways, and they are going to make you feel hopeless, and that you have a life of no purpose, kids. This is what's going to happen to you. And kids... You're going to feel this way for a long time with people and with frustrations. And you're going to have goals, kids. You're going to have really important goals. You're going to want to become a professional uh, sports player. And you will teach junior high gym instead. And you are going to want to become a writer or an actor. And you are going to stare in front of a blank screen for hours on end not knowing what to write. You are going to want to act and not knowing how to get into character. You're going to be at a coffee shop struggling mightily to figure this out. Or worse yet, you are going to be serving the coffee at the coffee shop because your dreams are not coming true. This is going to be your life children it's going to be your life and kids you're going to stay up a lot at first you're going to stay up because you're afraid of monsters then you're going to stay up because you're afraid of what other people are telling you and then you're going to stay up because you're not going to like me because i'm your dad i'm going to say things that you won't like and then you're going to stay up because you're going to be afraid about what college you're getting into about how much money you're going to have about whether or not you're going to have a spouse and you're going to stay awake because the spouse sleeping next to you annoys you to no end and if you live just long enough you're going to stay awake just hoping to god that your hip doesn't give out this is going to be your life kids you're going to feel this pain and this hopelessness and this purposelessness for such a long time, 60, 70, 80 years, if you're lucky, that you will start peeing on yourself again. And then you are going to die. And when you die, people are going to be at your funeral. You know what they're going to say to you, kids? They're going to say, the ham on this hors d'oeuvre plate is not boar's head. And they're going to say, I'm, I'm missing the New York Mets game because of this funeral. The New York Mets game, kids. That's going to be your life. And by the way, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus loves you. He's your pal. Ding. <laughs> We're missing it, right? We're missing the point. The point is not the good stuff. The point is that we live a life that has incredible, incredible suffering in every part and every I didn't even get to the hard stuff. I didn't get to the, the, the pain, the crushing loss. I didn't get to the systematic injustices that we see with racism and, and socioeconomic inequality. And, and I didn't get to the evil of like ISIS or Boko Haram. And I didn't get to like famine. I didn't get to any of that. But the truth is, if we look and believe this lie that suffering is merely an interruption on the road to a meaningful life, then we're missing the point altogether. Let me say something else. Let me, let me say something else. I'm going to say this. Suffering is what brings meaning to life. 
Suffering is what brings our meaningful life. Suffering, when we are suffering, we are in the meaning. That's what I would say. I would take it a step further. We're in this Vox Day series, The Voice of God. I would say it's in suffering that we hear the voice of God. That's what I would say. It's in our suffering that we live the meaningful life. It's not an interruption. It's where where it's all happening. So how do we know this? Well, we just read this passage in Matthew. Jen read it uh, so beautifully. But I want to break it apart. I want to look at it a little bit. And I want to start with what Jesus is doing when he's explaining to his disciples. Um, He says this, right? He goes and explains to his disciples that he must go to, to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he's going to be raised to life, okay? Let's remember, we've talked a ton about historical context this series, right? about Roman Empire. Let's remember that this entire Christianity thing, this entire religion up until this point is focused on the premise that suffering is going to end. Okay, that's the premise in which this whole thing is set up on. Suffering is going to end. We are going to uh, not be part of Roman oppression anymore. We're not going to be a part of this um, being outside of the walls, right? We're going to be, you know, now we're going to be one of the elites. We're going to be one of the, the ones that are chosen because this is what Jesus says. So the whole premise of this thing is that our suffering is going to end. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes around and he goes, no, no, suffering is not going to end. Mine's just beginning. I'm actually going to be defeated. I'm going to get tortured. I'm going to die. It's going to be pretty painful. So now we see that when your premise is that suffering is going to end, all of a sudden, it becomes really difficult to hear that. Right? So you see why Peter rebukes. What does rebuke mean in the scripture? It means he's, he's yelling emotionally um, in a way that's... Um, you know, creating conflict. So it's not like he's not saying, no, nah, no, come on, God. No, you know, he's not doing that. He's like yelling and he's angry and he's upset. And he goes, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. He's, he's, he's angry about this. He's upset with Jesus about this. And I want to cut Peter a break. I want to cut Peter a break because I identify with Peter. I identify with Peter. I think... When truth comes to it, I want to skirt suffering. I want to move around suffering. I want to say that suffering is not going to happen or doesn't need to happen. No, no, Lord, it's not going to happen. We can get by. We can, we can get by. You know what happens when we believe this lie that suffering is an interruption? When suffering comes, what do we do? What's the first thing that we say? We go, why? Why is this happening? This should not be happening, right? That's what we end up doing. Why is this happening? That's the first question we ask, as if it's this foreign thing that we shouldn't have to deal with, right? And then if you're like me, this is what I do. This is my MO. When I am suffering, what I do is I go, okay, well, how can I get through this as fast as possible so that I can move on to the good parts of life? You guys ever do that? How can I get through my suffering just just as quickly as I can? How can I get through this pain? Why is this pain still happening? I should have been over it two weeks ago. That's what I end up doing because it shouldn't be. It's an interruption. I'm trying to get to the good stuff. Some of us in this room, and I've been there before, we spiritualize our pain, our suffering. Well, God's never going to give me more than I can handle. Oh, this must be a part of God's plan. And when we do that, what we're doing is refusing to enter into our pain, enter into our suffering. What we're really doing is, is we're justifying our suffering. We're saying, well, it's just this one thing, but you know, it's part of this plan that gets me to some place that, that, you know, that, that's where the real stuff happens, the good stuff happens. That's what we do, and this is what Peter's doing. Peter's going, no, no, we don't have to do this. We don't have to go through the suffering part. We can still be on track to, to end this suffering and defeat oppression in the Roman Empire and all the rest. What about sympathy? 
What about other people who have pain? What about it? Sympathy's a bad thing. You guys know sympathy was a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. Sympathy says, I refuse to enter into your pain, the pain that you're dealing with. I want to gloss over your pain just like you're trying to do. You shouldn't be having that pain. Sympathy is one of those things where somebody says, I'm hurting, and we say, uh, okay, well, you need to get over it, so suck it up and move on. That's what sympathy does. Oh, oh I'm sorry, but, but tomorrow I need you on point. That's sympathy. Sympathy gives you a case of the at least. I had a miscarriage. Well, at least you can get pregnant. I lost my job. Well, at least you have employable skills. I, I don't have employable skills right now. Uh, you know, I, we ju- I just broke up with somebody. This is terrible. Well, at least you're dating. I'm not even dating at this point. That's what sympathy does. Sympathy says that the pain that others are dealing with is not pain that we need to enter into because it shouldn't be. It's this interruption. We need to get to what really matters, and our pain is a stumbling block. Let me get it out of the way. Let me help you get it out of the way. That's sympathy. That's what Peter does. How does Jesus answer Peter? I love how Jesus answers Peter. It's like one of like the craziest things in all of the gospel. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I, I just I wanted to look up Satan in the Greek. I, I had never done that. You know what Satan in the Greek is? It means you are a backbiting enemy. That's what it is. Backbiting enemy, same thing. It means like backstabber. So when we think of people who are backstabbers, we think of people who have like no character whatsoever, no integrity whatsoever, and an enemy, right? So what Jesus is saying to Peter, when Peter says, no, we need to skirt around our suffering, we need to skirt around the pain, he goes, you are a backstabbing enemy with no character and no integrity. That's what he's saying. Wow, what could this mean for us? Could it mean that when we believe the lie that suffering is merely an interruption, that we're missing out on the whole point? Now, Jesus is saying your inability to enter into your pain and suffering, your inability to help others enter into pain and suffering makes you a backstabbing, low-integrity, low-character enemy of what I'm trying to accomplish. That changes the way I look at suffering a little bit. I don't know if it does that for you because what happens is now we hear from Jesus himself, God incarnate, that if you really want to know what I'm all about, that, then you need to understand that it's in the suffering that the meaningful stuff happens. It's not the interruption. It's where, the, it's where it really takes place. So suffering is not just this little part of the Christian story. Suffering is the Christian story. It's where we get the good stuff. That's what's happening. This is what Jesus says, right? He goes on, um, and I lost my, there it is. He says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. All right. So what does Jesus say? Well, if you remember, I've been talking a lot about the historical context. If you were here a few weeks ago, I talked about a Roman general named Varus. And I said that Varus burned the towns of Emmaus and Sepphoris to the ground. I don't know if you guys remember this. And what happened to those people who tried to rebel? Well, they were lined up for miles on a road all the way from Emmaus to Sepphoris on crosses. They were lined up on crosses and they were crucified. And so if you were here a few weeks back, I told you that Jesus would have been a teenager around this time, which means the disciples would have been a teenager around this time. And most historians believe that the disciples and or Jesus knew people who would have been part of this rebellion, knew people who would have been hanging on the cross. So what we have is, are two things here. We have a foreshadowing of what's to come, 
But we also have Jesus talking very specifically about, hey, do you remember the worst pain in our lives? Do you remember the worst parts of oppression of this empire? Do you remember when our family maybe, do you remember when our friends maybe were were killed and put up on crosses? You want to follow me? Go get your cross. Let's go. Because the real stuff happens in our pain and our defeat and our hopelessness. That's where the real stuff happens. This is a very specific text or a specific thing that Jesus is saying. It's got two beautiful connotations. One, that, that it's in our suffering that, that we're going to live, but then the other is like, what's to come? Well, Jesus is going to take up his cross. What's to come? What are we getting to? It's good. And what this does is it makes me think that, you know, maybe this has been God's design all along. Perhaps this has been the way that God has wanted it the entire time, that the suffering is where meaning comes from. It is where all the good stuff comes from. And look at life. Pay attention to, like, the way we live. Pay attention to our biology. Pay attention to the way, like, you know, socially, the way we act, everything else. Pay attention. It's perhaps because of, like, suffering and pain that there's, like, growth, there's life, there's restoration, there's good stuff. Bear with me here. I'm going to give you the worst illustration ever. But I went to Chipotle last week, and it was delicious. And when I went to Chipotle last week, I got the carnitas. And the carnitas is the pork. Now, for a while, they didn't have the pork because um, Chipotle only um, buys from farmers who treat their animals ethically, which I think is kind of a cool thing. And so they found farmers that treated animals ethically, and I got the pork, and I went back to the office, and I was eating it, and I was like, this is delicious. And, you know, they treat their animals ethically, so it's really, really cool. And one of the staff members was like, yeah, but that pig still had to die. (laughs) And I was like, touche, my friend, touche. Some of you were like, what are you getting at? I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) Whatever, when you pick something out of the ground, that thing stops, (laughs) stops. Photos, you know, photosynthesis no longer occurs when you pick something up out of the ground. It, no, that, that plant no longer gives oxygen. And when you take something off the tree, it stops growing. Stay with me here, people. What's my point? Our bodies, what is it? 60 million cells a day and our bodies are dying. 60 million cells a day are dying so that our bodies can be restored and renewed and so that we get the bad stuff out and the good comes. When we say, and we, we watch movies, um, and we see people in movies who have been in pain and who have hurt and, and, and in some cases have died. And we hear these stories, these incredible stories. What do we say? That was inspiring. We say that's an inspiring thing that happened. Yes, it's a terrible death or terrible pain, but that's inspiring. What does inspire mean? It literally means to breathe into. It literally means we're breathing in new life. So you're saying that suffering, that pain has given me new life. This death has given me new life. This has given me new life. Is it possible that the way this entire thing has been set up, our entire existence has been set up by God, is that there's got to be suffering. There has got to be some sort of death. There's got to be pain in order for us to be restored, to be renewed, to have new life, to be loved, to knock and have the door opened, to seek and to find. Is that possible? And if it is possible, then what do we have to do with it? What do we do with it? I'm going to tell you another story. I used to live by the beach, um, Long Island, and I would be at the beach eight months out of the year, and I loved it. I would go before school and after school and all the time. Um, And when I would go, a a couple times, I got caught in riptides. You guys know what riptides are? Some of you do. So you have the waves coming in. 
Waves are coming in, and then uh, there's a tide underneath. It's called the riptide, and it's, it's pulling back out. So sometimes when you're sitting in the water and you put your feet in, you see the waves come in, and then you see it go back out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes that riptide is super strong. And when that riptide is super strong, what happens is you get caught underneath. Your feet get caught, and then you get dragged out into the ocean. So it's happened to me like once or twice, and I'm going to tell you it is by far the scariest thing that's ever happened. You get dragged out by this riptide. So the waves are coming in, but you're being dragged out. And um, what happens is when most people get caught in riptides, most people will die. Why will most people die? They die because you do what comes natural. You use your instinct. You fight. So you start trying to swim back to shore when you're caught in a riptide. The problem is the current's too strong. You're trying to swim back to shore. You exhaust yourself, and you drown. So what do you have to do when there's a riptide? You have to fight your instinct. And you have to let the current take you out. You just got to relax and sit back and let that thing take you however far it's going to take you. And eventually it just stops. And when it stops, what you begin to do is you swim side to side. You start swimming side to side because there's always a current that takes you back into the shore. Guys, if we are going to believe that suffering is the meaningful part of life, that it brings meaning, we got to stop fighting the current. you got to stop and you got to let the current take you out. What does the current feel like? What does it feel like? Right now we are fighting against sickness. There are people here who are dealing with sickness in some pretty heavy ways. And we're fighting against it. We're trying to swim and we're exhausted. This shouldn't be, this shouldn't be. Let it take you out. Right now, we have people here who, who feel the hopelessness of relationships. And we're fighting against it. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. I just want it to be done. Maybe if I fight or swim hard enough, I'll, I'll make it outside of this or away from this. And we have to let it take us out, pull us out. We're fighting with eating disorders and with depression and with sin issues and with so many other things. And we're fighting and fighting and swimming against it. And sometimes we just got to stop. We got to let it take us out. As a community, we grow. As a, as a Christ followers, we grow. When we say, you know what, this suffering is not an interruption that I need to fight against. This suffering is the meaningful part of the gospel. I'm going to let it take me out. It goes against our instinct, but it makes all the difference in the world. What about uh, us as a community? We're, we value community here at our church. We say we want to see lives renewed and restored through the power of Jesus. And, and we say that happens through community. As a community, instead of showing sympathy, we show empathy. It's a really big difference. Empathy says, I am going to go into your pain. I'm going to go ahead and join you. I'm going to be pulled out with you, and that's okay. It's not, hey, I can't be pulled out with you because I'm too busy trying to find my meaningful life. It says, no, I'm going to stop and I'll go with you. I'm not going with you because I think I could fix it. I'm going with you so I can help you swim sideways. And maybe, just maybe, maybe we're, we're going to find that current together that takes me back. Or maybe I'm a step ahead and I can find the current that helps you get back, but I'm going to enter into it with you. Maybe I'm going to start asking those questions while you're out in, in, in that tide. I'm going to start saying, hey, you know, what parts of you need to die so that we can be made new? Or, or you know, what are the parts of us that are being restored? Or, or where is the growth in this? What's happening? Those are the start, things that we start to ask in, in, in situations where we have empathy. I have a really good friend whose brother died in a car accident. He said the best thing that ever happened to him, best thing after that, was that his buddy came over and sat with him for four hours and said nothing. Just sat with him. That's empathy. That's going out into the water and letting the current take you. 
Right now we have pain in our lives and suffering in our lives and right now we are fighting against it saying it should not be. It is an interruption. When am I going to get to the good stuff? Let it take you out. Find out what parts you need to die. Find out which parts allow for growth and find that current that takes you back in. Peter, at the end of his life, the same Peter who who Jesus said, hey, you are a backstabbing, low-integrity enemy of mine. This is what Peter says in his letter at the end of his life. He says, says, but you rejoice in so much as you participate in sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. It looks like Peter got it. Somewhere along the line, he figured it out. Somewhere along the line, he figured out that we have a a Jesus, right, who says, I'm going to come to this world. I don't come to this world to deliver blessings and to to bring, like, these great things into people's lives. I come into this world, and I'm tortured, and I suffer with you, and I have a lot of pain with you, and and I I die, and I die, so I can say I, I understand that this stuff brings meaning. I understand that it makes sense. And there's a Jesus that says, you know what? I get pulled out with you. I get pulled out in the waves with you. And there's this Jesus that says, but it's out there. It's out there that this whole thing begins to make sense because it's out there that we're restored. It's out there we're made new. It's out there we grow. It's out there that Jesus is resurrected so that we get the same thing. And Tim Keller says this. He says, this resurrection, this is not consolation. It is the restoration. And we're going to get all the back, the love, the loved ones, the good, the beauties of life. But in new, unimaginable degrees of glory and joy and strength. Do not believe the lie that our suffering is an interruption on the way to a meaningful life. We are living a meaningful life right now. Let it take you out. Let it take you out. Let there be growth, let there be restoration, let there be life new because of the resurrection. Amen? Heavenly Father, um, we're fighting right now. So many of us in this room are fighting right now. We want this to be over. So many of us here are tired. So many of us here are in pain and, and, you know, we're looking for ways to make this pain go away and we don't know how. Lord, I pray today that you would give us the courage to embrace this, embrace our pain, embrace our suffering. I pray that you give others of us the courage to come alongside of each other, to tell stories, to invest in one another and our pain. I pray that our community changes because of it. Lord, we thank you for your pain and we thank you for your ultimate resurrection. Jesus name amen